0: We're wasting time, and I feel like there's a time bomb inside of me that's about ready to go off.
1: From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature. Real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. This time, we'll hear about a man who just wanted to quench his thirst please note that the actions in this story do not constitute medical advice. In case of poisoning, seek immediate professional medical attention. Brian Corliss loves to ride snowmobiles.
0: It's just a feeling you can't really describe. It's almost sort of like being on water. Being on a machine going that fast over snow and especially in fresh snow and lots of powder is, is really fun and Um, You just get to see so much of the country that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see in the winter.
1: One December day, Brian, his brother David, and his friend Dylan took a couple of snowmobiles up into the snowy range mountains in southern Wyoming to scout out a place to build some snow caves they could camp in later.
0: It was a nice day. We've been up there quite a few times, and like, you know, you get up there and it's nice in the morning, and then by the afternoon it's windy, but... This day, it was pretty nice going in, but then by the time we were coming out, it was kind of starting to snow a little bit, and it wasn't turning into too nice of an afternoon. So We were planning on just going in this day and uh, building the snow cave, and then possibly coming back in the next day or at a later time to spend the night in it. So we got up to where we were going. We snowmobiled up to the summit and then started going down on the other side, and It was downhill all the way into where we wanted to go and there was a lot of fresh snow on that side of the mountain so we got down in there and since there was so much fresh snow that's where we wanted to build these snow caves we got down in there and found the spot we thought we wanted and parked our snowmobiles and all got off and unloaded our our backpacks and got our shovels out Found a spot that we wanted to build the the cave and we were all building the snow caves and I got pretty thirsty and I went back to the snowmobiles to get some water and I got back to the snowmobiles and sitting on the seat of Dylan's snowmobile was um, what I thought was a bottle of Gatorade. Dylan's snowmobile actually leaked antifreeze, and he knew that whenever he went out, he needed to bring extra antifreeze with him because it would leak, and um, he would need to, you know, replenish that if we were back in the middle of nowhere. And so, instead of bringing the whole big gallon jug of antifreeze with him, he decided to just pour some of it into a Gatorade bottle. So, if you know anything about antifreeze, it's usually really colorful. Kind of a clear color, colorful, It looks like Kool-Aid. Um, it's usually blue or red or green. This antifreeze happened to be green, and it was in a melon, uh, like melon Gatorade, cu- lemon, melon cucumber Gatorade bottle, and it looked exactly like melon cucumber Gatorade. It was just that green, clear. And so I just saw that sitting on the seat of his snowmobile. He'd unloaded it earlier um, out of his backpack and left it by his snowmobile. And since I was so thirsty. I just picked it up and um, took a big drink of it. Antifreeze is also really sweet. And so I guess when it got into my mouth, I didn't initially think to spit it out because it tasted sweet and I was expecting Gatorade. So I went ahead and swallowed a couple big gulps of antifreeze. And as soon as I swallowed, I knew it wasn't Gatorade. But I was trying to figure out why it tasted so weird because I was still convinced it was something that should be drank. <laughs> my first thought was that my friend Dylan had put alcohol in his Gatorade or something like that. And so I was like, "What the heck?" And then all of a sudden I realized, I remembered that his sled leaked antifreeze and that's what he'd put in the Gatorade bottle and that I just drank a decent amount of antifreeze. Instantly, my mind just went back to all the times growing up when my dad had taught me and told me that like animals and kids will drink antifreeze and it'll kill them because it's sweet and it looks like Kool-Aid. And I was like, I just, I'm doing what I've been taught my whole life not to do. I didn't know what to do. I was just sitting there and and I was probably 30 yards away from Dylan and David where they were building the snow cave. So I just like walked back up there to him and I'm like, Hey guys, you'll never believe it. But Dylan, I just drank a, a, <laughs> some of your some of your antifreeze and Dylan was like oh my gosh you're kidding me and and my brother started freaking out.
1: How were you were you you said you walked back were you calm?
0: Well that's the strange thing so on the inside I was like I just drank something that could potentially kill me you know like I've heard all these stories about people or kids or animals dying from drinking antifreeze and yet I didn't feel anything you know usually if you're in a situation where you're maybe close to dying you would feel pain or feel You know, something like that, but I just felt nothing. I just felt fine, and because obviously it wasn't having an effect on me yet, I just drank it, and so it was just kind of a strange in between of feeling no pain and no nothing wrong, but at the same time knowing that within a few hours (laughs) I could be in a bad, bad place. So it was kind of strange, and I think as it started to sink in, it got more. I got more and more of a panicky feeling. So we really didn't know what to do. But Dylan's brother happens to be a paramedic here in town. We got our phones out, and just by chance, we happened to actually have a decent amount of service where we were at. And so Dylan called his brother. While he was doing that, I decided it would be a good idea for me to start trying to make myself throw up. So I'm, like, standing there. My brother is watching me, and I'm trying to stick my fingers down my throat and make myself throw up. And uh, Dylan's on the phone with his brother, and his brother told him, like, yeah, this is really bad. Like, you need to get him to the hospital as soon as possible because this could kill him. So that was not good news. And um, I found out that I do not have a strong gag reflex, and so I really couldn't make myself throw up. So I'm just dry heaving and trying to make myself throw up and starting to panic. And then my brother gets the idea that we should call poison control. So we got the number to poison control, and my brother called... It was just so funny because the ladies, you know, my brother had it on speakerphone and I'm standing there in the middle of the trees making myself throw up and the lady from Poison Control is like, you know, like, okay, like what's the emergency? And my brother was like, you know, he didn't know how to say it. He was like, um, like I'm up here in the middle of the snowy range mountains and my brother just drank a lot of antifreeze and we're wondering what to do. And the lady's like, okay, what color was it? And all this stuff. And she's like, okay, well, let me go. Let me look it up. And she looks it up. And instead of being like, okay, remain calm. She was like, oh, this is really bad. And uh, so that that was really encouraging. And uh, (laughs) so, (laughs) so just things are going from bad to worse. And she's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. She's like, you're not going to feel anything for about two hours. And then after about two hours, you're going to start feeling drunk. And um, she's like, this is like when you're, Kidneys will start shutting down. And so that's you kind of need to be to the hospital. You have that time frame to kind of get there. And I was like starting to put together all the, all the factors that A, I'm in the middle of the mountains. I'm not even by my car. I'm in the middle of nowhere with two snowmobiles. I'm like 45 minutes from the car if everything goes well. From there, I'm an extra you know hour and a half from town. So I'll never forget. We just uh, we're just like kind of like, all right. Well, let's leave everything and and get on the snowmobiles and start getting out of here. My throwing up process wasn't going well. I was drinking a lot of water and just wasn't throwing much up. We get on the snowmobiles and get them started. But like I said earlier, we'd snowmobile downhill all the way in, and there was a lot of fresh snow. Really, snowmobiles are meant just for one person to be on, and mine's a pretty heavy snowmobile, and so me and my brother on my snowmobile. Trying to get up and out in fresh snow, five, ten minutes to get the snowmobile unstuck. All of us are like working hard. We're sweating, and at this point, the weather had kind of started to go downhill, and it was it was starting to like blow and, and snow a little bit more. And um, just my snowmobile kept getting stuck. kept getting stuck. We're wasting time, and I feel like there's a time bomb inside of me that's about ready to go off. I could just really feel the the panic kind of start setting in and I, I just remember at a certain point really thinking like, all right, like this could be the day that I cease <laughs> living in this world and, you know, go see Jesus. I just remember thinking that and then being like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Like all I can do is do my best to get out of here and really it's out of my control now. So that was, that was, a, that was a good thing to remember. And we ended up just having to abandon my snowmobile because it got too stuck all three of us are now on one snowmobile. Dylan's snowmobile is more powerful than mine, and so we were able to get out with his snowmobile and get back to the trail. We finally make it back to the truck, and by the time we were in the truck, it had been an hour and a half. So I've got like 30 minutes here, and and I'd say 45 minutes of that was due to the fact my snowmobile getting stuck. At this point, you know, I was just kind of amazed by... The situation that i was in and i couldn't believe it and i was just sitting there like well (laughs) i don't know what else to do you know just i guess you can't slow time down
1: brian's phone had been in and out of service and it took him getting closer to town to make a call
0: once we got service on our way back to laramie i decided to call my mom and i was like i didn't know how to tell her (laughs) the news so i was like hey mom uh (laughs) you're not gonna believe this but i drank a bunch of antifreeze and we don't know what to do and, you know, I guess we'll just go to the hospital or what. And my mom's an RN, so we thought she might have some insight on what to do and my grandpa was a medical doctor for his whole life. And so my mom was like, well, yeah, like keep going, <laughs> just like go to town. And my parents live out of town. And so it was like, she's like, I'll call grandpa and see what he has to say about it. And so she ends up um, trying to call my grandpa and he doesn't answer. So she's like, well, I guess you should just go to the hospital. But then my dad has this idea. <laughs> so I have another relative that lives in Cheyenne who um, has been a, like a large animal vet his whole life and has dealt with a lot of animals that drink antifreeze and has saved a lot of them. And so my dad just was like, well, I'll call up your uncle Tim and and ask him what, what he does when animals drink antifreeze. And so (laughs) he calls up my uncle Tim and he calls me back and tells, starts telling me what Tim said. And my uncle Tim had told him that he's like, well, um, you know, typically when a large animal licks up a bunch of antifreeze, usually like off of a barn floor or, or something like that, we hook them up to an IV of grain-based alcohol and so he's like the poisoning that you get is it's called ethylene glycol poisoning and grain-based alcohol is like a counteractive to that kind of poisoning and he's like that's how we save animals that have consumed ethylene glycol so (laughs) he was like he's like honestly he's like this is not very medically backed up he's like but i would just have him start drinking alcohol Or so like, well, I don't know. That sounds so sketchy, and <laughs> I don't know if my whole life should rest on, you know, a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, well, if I do, at least I'll go out <laughs> happy, you know. So, At this point, my grandpa had also called my mom back. And my mom mentioned to my grandpa this idea of drinking alcohol as a solution to having ethylene glycol poisoning. And he was like, actually, that's really, that is a real thing. And he's like, they don't really promote this anymore. He's like, but I remember from, you know, 50 years ago, like that being something that I've seen in my medical books as being a solution to it. And he's like, you know, it's been, now that it's been two hours since he's already drank it, the antifreeze, he's like, really there's, it's already been absorbed into his system. And if they go to, if he goes to the hospital, all they're going to do is monitor him and make sure his kidneys don't completely shut down. They're not going to be able to do anything to reverse the fact that he's drank it. Cause it's already been absorbed through his, his digestive system. And so he's like, honestly, he's like, I think the best thing to do would be to just have him drink alcohol my mom who's an RN he's like you can just watch him and see you know and keep him in town and if you need to just take him to the hospital but just watch him there's nothing else to do I was sort of sketched out by that I was like I think I should go to the I was like maybe I should go to the hospital like are you sure this sounds so sketchy and um,
1: and how are you how are you feeling at this point when when that's sort of like I guess that's your only option is yeah. drink a bunch of alcohol
0: right right I was like I had to find—I f- I found a lot of humor in it, really. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, there's really nothing I could do, and there's no way to reverse it. So it's just kind of like, well, this is hilarious.
1: By this point, were you starting to feel that—the effects of it, definitely. that sort of drunkenness?
0: Definitely, yeah. So, like, felt really dazed and dizzy and pretty out of it. I just remember getting to my friend Dylan's house and, like, getting out of the truck and, like, catching my balance and being like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm definitely feeling exactly what she said, you know? I'd feel like I was drunk. Dylan's a pretty quiet guy, and so he doesn't, like, show a lot of emotions, but I could tell that he was really worried and also really concerned. You know, he's one of my best friends, and, you know, he felt responsible for putting that antifreeze in the Gatorade bottle and just not thinking that through. He really felt bad, and I was trying to, like, you know, reassure him, like, dude, it's not your fault, and this could happen to anybody. And, and uh, you know, I just think he was worried that one of his best friends was going to die as a result of him putting some antifreeze in a Gatorade bottle and not labeling it. And my brother um, was also really concerned, but, you know, I tried to joke around about it and kind of turn it into a lighter situation than it probably was. So so we got to, yeah, we got to Dylan's parents' house, and we told them what was going on and that I needed to drink some alcohol. And, like, Dylan's parents, like, definitely don't drink alcohol or anything, so we're like, well, we might have to go to the store and get some. And, his mom was like oh well just one second and she goes into the back room and and like comes out with this bottle of vodka and we were like where did this come from (laughs) and she was like well I use it for cooking and stuff like that and uh, and you're like sure sure." (laughs) but uh, it was great and so so I started drinking My parents were on their way into town to come see me. And uh, so I'm just like laying on Dylan's parents' couch drinking and just cracking up about how weird the situation is and just all the crazy turns that it took. So eventually my parents got into town and just were like, yeah, like this is what we think you should do. And I was like, well, all right, at this point it's too late. Like it's been probably two and a half, three hours now. So I was like, well, if I was going to die on the two-hour mark, it's coming past and so we'll see how it goes and so my parents eventually were like all right well let's just take you home and like keep an eye on you and from that point for the next three days my mom just like brought me every hour more alcohol and just made me drink it so so I pretty much just laid on my parents couch and drank alcohol for three days and watched tv and um I felt really crappy for a couple days.
1: I'm imagining just like a glass of like a pint glass of water, but uh-huh. just filled with vodka yeah. and alcohol. Is that yeah. what that was?
0: Well, kind of. I mean, I'd pretty much just drink like maybe two or three shots every hour or something like that. Just like this prolonged state of feeling out of it for a couple of days. And I wasn't sure how much of it was the ethylene glycol and how much of it was the vodka. And then the next day I didn't feel good at all. And I, I, I don't know, It's just like the process, I think, of getting that ethylene glycol out of my kidneys I I don't know much about it but when my kidneys process the alcohol which is the, the ethylene glycol creates crystals that would get caught in my kidneys and somehow when I drank the alcohol and that was processed through my kidneys the alcohol would break up the ethylene glycol crystals that were in my kidneys and help me pass them through apparently it worked and um, within three or four days I was feeling back to normal and I really haven't had any problems since but it was so funny because during the whole process of me laying on the couch for three days and drinking and thinking I was like looking up stories about people I was like I have, I can't be the only one who's ever drank antifreeze on accident you know and, and like all the top stories are like people trying to kill themselves with drinking antifreeze and like and then about People trying to poison other people. I was reading these stories about like housewives who were tried to kill their husbands by like putting antifreeze into their like Kool-Aid or into their foods. <laughs> and uh, so I think I'm the only one that was like truly accidentally drank it. Later, I got in touch with Dylan's brother, who was the paramedic, and he was like, he's like, you know, it's it's probably a good thing that you didn't call. The ambulance, he's like, because every call that we get called on where there's antifreeze being drank involved, he's like 90% of the time a suicide or like a some sort of like a homicide thing. And so he's like, we would have had to send the sheriff's department and everything to like make sure you were okay.
1: Brian says in the months since, he hasn't felt any lasting effects.
0: I'm still passing all my classes and... I don't have brain damage, which is one of the things that said that it will happen to you is you'll have brain damage and I guess kidney failure. (laughs) My kidneys seem to work fine and my brain seems to work fine. So, but I've never been to the, I haven't, I never went to the doctor about it. You know, you think about people that have like cancer or just some known medical condition and it's like, okay, they're closer to that edge of life, I guess. But this really reminded me that really none of us are any closer or further away from that edge of life than anyone else.
1: I can imagine that, like, Gatorade with vodka is, like, your absolute like, worst yeah. drink that you could ever have now. Yeah.
0: yeah, for months afterwards, whenever I'd see Gatorade or somebody would offer me Gatorade or something like that, I'd be, like, super <laughs> sketched out, and I wouldn't... Uh, it just brought back, you know, that, that feeling of having drank it and then realizing what I'd just done. Probably, you know, cured me of that forever, so... <laughs>
1: storyteller was Brian Corliss. If this story made you thirsty, head on over to our website, humannaturepodcast.org, where you can find a special cocktail recipe created just for this episode. It uses vodka and Gatorade and a couple other ingredients, so you can raise a glass to Brian's health. And before we go, thanks to everyone who donated during our recent fun drive. We received donations and Apple podcast reviews from more than 40 listeners, including Neil Summerlin from my hometown of Lynchburg, Virginia, Christina Dice from Sequin, Texas, and Christine Schellack from Denver, who says the show makes her cry, laugh, and marvel. Thanks also to Jessica Winans from Springfield, Oregon, David Carroll from Salt Lake City, and David Jurek from Clinton, Pennsylvania. And we also want to give a shout out to Bruce Smith from Bozeman, Montana, whom you can hear in episode 34. And Brian Franklin from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Brian owns Double Shot Coffee Company and he says he listens while roasting beans. He even sent us a delicious bag of his coffee. So if you're ever in Tulsa, we definitely recommend a cup of Double Shot coffee. I'm Caroline Ballard. The show is produced by Alana Elder, Aaron Jones, Annie Osborne, Anna Rader, and Micah Schweitzer. The theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media.